Let's welcome this evening SABC News anchor who you will see always lovely in her African regalia from toe to head this evening. No different. Australian born, Cape Town raised and I understand in between somewhere via Zimbabwe. She's yes. quite truly a child of exile. She's quite truly a child of the democratic project in this country, Miss Nzinga Kunda. Nzinga, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you, Mr. Mabekle. Thanks so much for having me on your show tonight. For those who don't know, way back in 2010, October of that year, at the launch of the Tabombegi Foundation, my date was none other <laughs> <laughs> than Nzinga Kunda. And I got to meet the president because of Nzinga. So very much appreciated. If it is of any consolation or gratitude, please accept this is my expression of gratitude yeah, that, that so you are here tag teaming with me for the yeah, whole show tonight. And Zinga and I are going to be on the platform the whole night. Of course, being a Tuesday, hashtag Tuesday takeover, she will take over in about 10 minutes from now or less. Mm -hmm. She will engage a guest of her choice and I'll give her the opportunity to engage that guest. Zinga, talk to us about your life. I mean, not many people know who you are. They just know the lady who reads the news and they'll read the name Zinga Kunda, but that's probably all there is about what they know. Okay. Maybe some might think you're some pure Dana's sister. <laughs> Dispel the myth already. Just the, the, yeah. the journey of having been born in Australia. I mean, there are not too many people born in Australia who are South African. Yes. Um, African women, even less, or African people, even less. But this is the yeah. story of the struggle, right? I mean. Yeah. Um, so I would say, if I had to describe myself, my name is Nzinga Kunda. I'm a business news anchor. I am a moderator of high-level panels locally and internationally. I'm a children's book author. I'm Vuisa and Christine Kunta's daughter and a friend to a few people. Um, so that's who I am. Uh, my upbringing and where I was born and all of that is because my parents were anti-apartheid activists from the Black Consciousness Movement from Azapo and the PAC. Um, my mother studied law in Australia. My father studied engineering but dropped out to look after my sister Yolisa and I. And then when they when my mom graduated, they moved to Botswana to be on the continent and continue um, their work in exile, but on the continent. We kind of got kicked out of there as refugees. And then we moved to Zimbabwe, and then we moved back to South Africa. So that's the first part of my life. And um, I don't know, I grew up in Cape Town, very cool upbringing, still very good friends with most of the people that I grew up with in Cape Town. And then I came to Johannesburg once. I went to Stanton City. I saw there were so many black people here. I said, what is this place? And then I came to study at Fitz. Based on that one visit, I was like, I'm going to study where there's all these beautiful black people in these beautiful clothes and cars and da-da-da-da. So I came to Vitz. Quite different from the Cape Town experience. Yeah. Right? I mean, Cape Town, I would hmm. walk around Cavendish with no shoes. Like, we were very hippie existence in Cape Town, Joburg. Yeah, so I studied at Wits. I did a BA and then I did an LLB. Long, long, long story there, but um, those are the qualifications I got from Wits. And I moved into news about nine years ago and moved to the SABC in 2017 as a business news anchor. And and before that, tell back. us where you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, for, okay, wait, no, no, we need to go back a little bit. I worked as a TV presenter, right? And I was doing music TV. And so it resonated with me on an African level. So I was getting yeah. to travel to Nigeria and stuff. But when I had to say, say to people, like, put your hands in the air and all of that, I was suffering a little bit. 
with that because I'm not very cool, right? I'm a little bit cool sometimes, but like not really. Now you have to hype up crowds. It wasn't working for me. I joined ANN7 when they launched. Mm-hmm. I was one of the people that was on air when people were like, oh, these hands can't read. I could read. I was very good. I've always been very good at what I do. Uh, I think I improve every year. I don't, wanna, I don't have hubris, so I'm not like super arrogant about it, but I was always like quite solid. And in that environment, and people always make fun of it, like, oh, da, da, da. for me, that environment, when you're working with chaos at times, it's either you're going to do very well and rise to the top, or you're going very to sink. Very quickly, too, at that. One of them was going to yeah, happen Yeah, I became very a primetime news anchor in like two years. Um, and then I left because also I felt, okay. You made the right decision at the right time, especially. Um, you know, that's, we'll see when we look back at our lives. We, didn't, we never know about the decisions. But yeah, 8 and 7, I worked there, I think, for about two years, left, uh, had a baby, um, and said I'm not going to go back to work in any news environment because uh, there were other news channels that were coming up that asked me to go and offered me certain things, and I said absolutely not. When the next place I go to, I must believe in it because I really think that work is about more than a paycheck or whatever. It's about do you believe in the vision of what this thing is trying to do? Because when when other things don't work, that's very important. So I started working at the SABC as a news anchor in 2017 and in particular a business news anchor. And I think that's been just a phenomenal experience and a phenomenal learning curve and such an incredible platform. The SABC, the public broadcaster, and I'm not saying this, you know, because my boss, Seppel, might be listening. <laughs> but Is he really? I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't tell him that I was doing it. I don't know if he listens to SABC at midnight. But when you travel, right, I, you know there's a discourse. There's a very healthy discourse in South Africa about the public broadcaster, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Mm. But when you leave our borders and you go to Uganda or South Sudan, wherever, and you say you work for the SABC. Different story. Power. People are so impressed. People love the public broadcaster here. They speak so highly of it. One of uh, a head of state. It is the biggest on the continent. Yeah, eh? in sub-Saharan Africa. One of these heads of state said to me when I I was quite new and I was on an an international trip, and I said, I work for the SABC. He says, I love the SABC, but uh, he only watches in the morning, right? So he says, but uh, why don't I know you? And I said, oh, I'm at 12 o'clock. Um, it's it's a very powerful platform to be on. I'm very grateful for it. It's taken me so many places. World Economic Forum being those places. One of the many places, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Tell us about that experience. So I was in Davos just two weeks ago yeah. uh, moderating at the World Economic Forum. I moderated three sessions there. Now that is... One That's of the as premier. big as it gets. Yeah, I don't want to be. For yeah. somebody in this industry. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll be that person. <laughs> For anybody in the space that Nzinga yeah. and I operate in, I'm radio, yeah. she's television, and anything in between. Mm-hmm. To be invited or somehow score a ticket to be in Davos is one thing. Yes. To be in Davos on the world's stage moderating <laughs> discussions, if not global multinational corporation CEOs or chairman, absolutely major shareholders of such global corporations, you are speaking to heads of state. It yes. doesn't get smaller or bigger than that. Yeah, so I was very privileged and very lucky that the sessions that I was moderating had uh, the chairman of AstraZeneca, the head of UNICEF, the president of Cote d'Ivoire, the, um, the CEO of NASPAS, uh, uh, Joseph Stiglitz, I keep on saying this because I, I still can't believe it, even though I must also the be economist, calm. economist, yeah. Yeah, Nobel Peace Prize winning economist in a session that I'm moderating, the head of UN AIDS. 
you know, my journey with WEF, I went to WEF in 2019 to report. And when I got there, I was like, Yo, I went to one of the sessions. I said, surely I belong on that stage. I don't know. In my head, I belong there. I know that That's where, where I am. That's and I, I, you know, I was dressed the way I normally dress with a head wrap. And many people noticed me, you know, and, and it might sound frivolous, but many no- noticed me because of the way I looked at my African aesthetic and were interested in who I was. And that gave me an opportunity at the World Economic Forum in Africa to go onto stage. I did well there. Then they invited me back to the Davos Dialogue. Who's they? The World Economic Forum, the people who work there. And I also said to them, like, after the first one, I'm available for other things. Um, you know, if you want me to. And they said, great. And then this year, they said, would you like to come to Davos to moderate? Mm. I think I replied to the email in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that was a phenomenal experience in terms of moderating and also interacting with people. Well done. Your sister would be proud. Thank you. Thank you very much. How is the the home without you, Lisa? Um, Very quiet. Um, It's a year on Friday of losing my sister, which is... This Friday? Yeah. Imagine. It's been a year since she's passed away. It's been very difficult, but unfortunately, a part of life is also losing people that you love. And it's been very strange that the last year of my career has done so well and my personal she life has been, been filled with so much pain um, of losing my sister. But yeah. Condolences to you guys. Well Thank done you. for the journey you've walked so far. Thank and, you. Um, You've honored her in the best possible way by just being bright and brilliant, yeah. bold and beautiful at the same Thank time. You. One more question. Amari's Adventures. Yes. You're an author of a children's book. I am a children's book author. I've written a book called Amari's Adventures. It's about a little girl who travels across South Africa and counting from 1 to 11. It's in all 11 official languages of South Africa, as well as Nama, which is an endangered language spoken in parts Namibia. of Namibia and the Northern Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful children's book that encourages little ones from about three to six to learn how to read and write. My little one started reading when she was four, and I, my family really has been raised with the issue of literacy being important. And so I'm kind of passing on the tradition. And everyone, as you know, in my family has written a book except for me. Now I'm like within the Kunta author yeah, circle. Within. <laughs> yeah, within. Well, the yeah. only reason I call myself an author is because an article that I penned, the untold history lesson, just basically right. engaging the South African history that I was taught at school and the history that I learned after school. And I was like, mm. hang on, these are two very different accounts of my past. Absolutely. And of course, it featured in the book, True. We Write What We Like, which yes. is a book of such essays collected and edited by your late sister, your Lisa. So yes. it is beautiful to have you she here. She kicked me out of that book. I was in she there. She was very in my feisty <laughs> about that book, that one. Let me tell you. I'm not going to go into the deep parts of that story, yeah. but let me yield the platform to you. Miss um, Nzingaipunda, author, news anchor and facilitator, will soon be taking over. And I certainly do hope my mother attorney is listening and hopefully will call <laughs> Mama Kunda. I know you are listening. Please give us a call. And and will the president, former president, be, surely the former president can give us a call. Come I on. don't think he even knows who I am. Make a plan. You've got 40 <laughs> minutes. You've got 40 minutes. Former president, Tawambeke, please. I know you're friends with the family. You have a big fan, yeah. Please give us a call. You certainly have a big fan in me, Songas, on my back. And effectively, your daughter is on, is on the platform. <laughs> For those who don't know, after the break, Miss Nzingat Kunda on hashtag Tuesday Takeover. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe Zomabete on SAFM.
All right, it's just gone 25 minutes past eight here on SAFM. My name is Nzinga Kunta. Songeza hasn't been exiled. He'll be back just before the news at nine o'clock. This is the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. You can call us on 011-714-2006. Send us your voice notes as well to 061-4104-207. Please keep your voice notes shorter than one minute and the radio off when recording. So when I was asked about the takeover and someone really interesting that I wanted to speak to, uh, a family friend of ours came to mind. His name is Sipogutle Maite. He is a public policy enthusiast, a writer, communication specialist, an inactive jazz singer with a most delicious voice, and one who dreams of decolonial futures. He's joining me tonight. We'll be talking about the state of South Africa. I know, especially on SFM, we enjoy talking about issues affecting us. And Sipakutle always has such interesting views on the different parts of the society. So he's joining us now. A very good evening to you, Sipakutle. Thanks so much for being with us. Just talk to me about, if I had to ask you a very simple question, what do you think the main issue facing South Africa is today? Um, good evening. Firstly, good evening, Tinga, and good evening to your listeners. I would, you know, South Africa is a big incorporation, and I say incorporation because um, many South Africans don't quite understand how it was historically constituted. Um, so one of the biggest issues facing South Africa is actually about our journey of becoming South Africa. It's not the most well-understood history. It is a history that is often very simplified. And by that, I mean every institution that we think we have built in South Africa and every institution that we think has been unique in South Africa actually hasn't been. Much of South Africa is actually an inheritance. Not much of South Africa and its institutions have been imagined by South Africans themselves. Mm. And so at the very base philosophical level, the major issue with South Africa is its crisis of imagination. And so with the crisis of imagination, it means we don't know how to do things anew. Most of what we have in South Africa is actually a colonial import be it Parliament, which is, uh, follows the Westminster system, uh, be it um, the Reserve Bank, be it um, how you know the state is almost organized, um, be it um, how South Africa itself has been demarcated into provinces and sort of follows a semi-feudal uh, system, um, be it um, anything really about South Africa has to ha- has has been imported, and the reason for that um, is also because the ANC itself, um, at its conception, was founded by a petite bourgeoisie class of intellectuals and black people who had almost received received even their literacy um, and therefore their epistemology from the global north. And so everything that has to do with South Africa has to do with the fact that we had the colonial encounter, we had apartheid, and every institution that has since followed has actually been a continuation of a neo-colonial state. Mm. 
So if we start today, I think we can position every single, uh, every single South African issue um, according to that. Um, so I could have chosen any other topic to say, you know, we have an issue of gender-based violence, mm. we have an issue of um, a, a, a low economic growth, but actually, you know, um, even historically speaking, low economic growth has actually been an issue since at least the late 50s. But we like to think about it as starting after the Tabung Deki administration, simply because there was a little boom situation there up until 2004 or five. Um, so, so, so South Africa has a problem of 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 actually um, taking out history in thinking about its problems mm-hmm. and making it about parties and party factions and the political system and so on and so on. But actually, everything begins with how we think about South Africa, uh, even how we think about the middle class, um, which is just a class that goes, you know, to university and then maybe finds itself in the formal economy and then just continues with the status quo. And then every now and then in its history will start to agitate. And then the metros, you know, key metros like um how Jing metros will lose themselves to opposition. It's all by actual, actual design. Um, it's, it's got very little to do with, with um, ANC politics per se. Mm-hmm. So, Kutle, if you if you're characterizing our problems and the challenges that we face as a country as such large ones, I mean, we, we know that our problems are systemic and all of that, and you're saying we lack imagination as a country in dealing with our problems, how would you deal with the challenges that you've spoken about in a manner that would actually lead us to this utopian version of the South Africa of our dreams, the South Africa where everybody's, the, the Bill of Rights is actually a, um, a living living version. People actually experience a lived reality for South Africans and people living in South Africa as opposed to uh, perhaps what we are trying to do now is, which is patch over very large systemic issues um, with perhaps shorter term solutions and shorter term issues. So we would have to actually go back to the system thinking of the state, right? There are certain institutions that need a complete reimagination. Um, the South African Reserve Bank is such an institution, for example, and um, I've been writing a bit about this. Um, and I say this because we have designed institutions that we think um should work in isolation. So we say the mandate of the Reserve Bank is to protect the currency and the rand, right? But um, this institution is then by design always going to hold a very conservative view on inflation, for example, right? So they're saying, okay, let's make an adjustment, let's implement contractionary um, monetary policy, and so in this way, you know, we're basically restraining... Uh, the the prevalence of money in circulation, and then we're going to increase um, interest rates that the commercial banks will borrow with, and so on. But that has a very short term outlook, and it doesn't consider the fact that actually what you're wanting to do is to grow the economy, and you can't grow the economy with making it by making it impossible for this economy to absorb 
um, more participants into it, right? So you think about youth unemployment. Youth unemployment, for example, um, sits at about 70%, and um, the youth makes up uh, 35% of the total population, right? Mm -hmm. And when we want to celebrate and say, okay, unemployment has gone down by 0.8% from 335 to 34.5, no one is asking how many new youth have entered the market in those numbers or those 390,000, I think, jobs that have been created in the first quarter, right? And so what then happens is that with this very conservative view that the Reserve Bank holds, it actually can't think itself as a driver of economic growth. It leaves that sort of, to some sort of ambiguity where the state, i.e. the executive uh, through, you know, national Treasury and so on will implement uh, fiscal policy. But imagine you are constraining the economy using the Reserve Bank, and then fiscal policy says no, we must, we should still be on an austerity path. So let's not increase um, wages, right? So all of this is in an effort to make sure that the digits don't look wild. Mm. But sometimes you should actually let the digits go wild, <laughs> but allow the allow more people to participate in the economy more meaningfully. Mm. So even if we, when we think about education and skills, for example, um, we like to think of, of, of the, the most valued skills as those which are attained at universities, right? But we haven't actually thought about um, absorbing more people by getting the Reserve Bank to invest or make sure that the state can borrow at a, at a zero rate because it actually can do that. It can actually say the state can borrow at a zero rate and go and build factories. And by building factories, you are then able to reindustrialize the economy and by so doing, absorb more people into mm-hmm. the economy. But what we seem to have is this, oh, you know, oh, yeah, no, um, everything is, you know, going to go to the dogs if we don't implement contractionary monetary policy. And then, you know, we use floods and we use the Ukraine war as excuses for the for these outlooks. And remember that the problem is that again going to coloniality, we we were subsumed by the the, the global financial system. We weren't allowed to actually reimagine how we wanted to participate in the global economy. You you just had to assimilate, right? Mm-hmm. And had we had the opportunity to actually reimagine um, how we wanted to participate, then we would have actually come up with solutions that could actually go to economic growth. For example, you know, the PIC also has a role for, for, for economic growth. But um, there are no systems of accountability that are created to ensure economic growth. I think economic growth is just a nice word to, you know, to keep the the business columns going in the newspapers. And um, Sibokutle, I'm and, going to ask you to hold that yes. thought. Um, I would like us to also make sure that on the hashtag Tuesday Takeover, we interact with as many people as possible. So remember, you can call us on 11 714-2006. You can ask Sipokutle any questions. You can also chat to me while I'm here. Remember, we can also send voice notes 061 
0614-104-207. And please remember to keep your voice notes shorter than one minute and your radio off when recording. My guest tonight on the Tuesday Takeover is Sipokotle Maite. We're just talking about the state of South Africa, uh, where we are, how we got here, according to Sipokotle, and perhaps how we can get out of it. Sipokotle, I know we've spoken about um, how you diagnose the challenges facing the country. And one of the things and how it it shows and the fractures that show in our South African society, we can see through social unrest uh, that we've been seeing, through crime um, and through fires that we've been seeing in in the last year or so. So just talk to us about how the challenges that you've spoken about are manifesting in our society and possibly what solutions you think there are to that as well. Okay. So I think... Firstly, I think we are supposed to have some sort of moment that uh, culminates into a codessa of sorts, where we actually go and charter a new path for South Africa. I don't think it would be enough to say, oh, but we have the NDP, the National Development Plan, because 2030 is right next door, actually. So um, it's not going to happen, you know. Um, And our target setting is is one activity, but we actually need to go back a little bit to actually think about how do we want to design South Africa? For example, I don't think there should be provinces or local, or provincial governments, for example, okay. um, because the idea of provincial governments is that it creates the same sort of social engineering that happens through, you know, through conquest. So the, the, the provinces that were... That had that encounter are more economically active because they have been historically, right since 1652. So if you think about the Western Cape, the DA will always um, be seen as serving the Western Cape better simply because there's a particular type of infrastructure that has been built over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as, you know, then we have more neglected areas, and these, in, in these this neglect is not just economic. Right, it's got to do with linguistic communities as well, um, and so books such as the one that you have written address a very fundamental issue with South Africa. You know, it, you. It, it's not—it's not something we should celebrate. That you know, sign language is only now deemed an official uh, South African language, right? Um, so it goes back to linguistic communities. It has to do with other systems of community as well, including the judiciary. Okay. So, for example, I think we need to rethink the idea of an apex court um, that um, sort of, you know, of course, interprets the, 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 the Constitution for us and then pronounces on the law for us. Um, but we actually have to strengthen local courts as well. So that means then that the people who did go and study law should not say, oh, I want to work for a top five firm for example, where I want to go and clock at the Constitutional Constitutional Court. Court. I'm just going to ask you to to hold that thought. We're going to be taking calls here on the Tuesday Takeover. And remember, you can also send us your voice notes. Please remember to keep your voice notes shorter than one minute and your radio off when you're recording. So we're not hearing that sweet, sweet sound as we're listening to you. It's 061-4104-207, the number for voice notes and to call us it's 011-714-2006 on the line now is emmanuel calling us from johannesburg a very good evening to you 
Good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, sir. How are you? I'm good, thanks. What's on your mind? Um, interesting topic you are on. Thank you. And then um, my contribution tonight. Um, what I do is that um, I'm, I'm a baker. I'm based in Joburg. Mm-hmm. And then uh, seeing that we have issues of unemployment in our country, whereby young people are not working, we established with my my baking partner. We have established a youth program whereby we we want to train unemployed youth just basic baking skills so that they can be able to go out there and at least start their own basic business. Mm. As government, it's 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 unfortunately not able to create jobs as it is. Okay, I've seen your tweet here, Emmanuel, um, for Fox Cakes. You're going to be training people in June 2022, and you want people to send a CV with a letter of motivation, um, and you want people to send your applications to to you so that you can give two unemployed youth the opportunity to learn basic baking to help them generate income. I mean, I really don't want to ask this, but I think it's important to how do we how do people know that it's safe to kind of get in touch with you and work with you because we also know and read every day about horrific stories, uh, people desperate for work and perhaps getting into circumstances that they should not be part of. Okay. No, that's easy. We, 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 are, we, we are open. We are based in, 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 in Joburg uh, on Monday. We can set up maybe a meeting in the, in the public space where maybe we can meet and then, mm-hmm. and then have a discussion regarding that one. Okay, Emmanuel, he, Emmanuel Mafukwane, he's on Twitter at Fox Cakery saying he would like people um, who want an opportunity to take part in a free baking workshop. Thanks so much for your time and your call tonight on the Tuesday Takeover. Let's continue our conversation with Sipokutle Mate. If you would like to continue being part of this conversation, you can call us like Emmanuel just did, 011-714-2006. And you can also send us your voice notes as well. Please keep them shorter than one minute. Sipakutle, it's back to you. Yes. So um, strengthening strengthening of the local courts. Because I think, for example, Zinga, I think you would know that uh, is it section, section 329, of the constitution is about developing the law right and um, i don't think actually south african societies all have the same outlook and all have the same dream we are one company or i mean we are one uh, sort of entity but i don't think we actually have the same the same outlook on justice mm. even. Mm. And I think justice in a particular setting, in a particular uh, community, should reflect the views of the people, not the views of lawyers, lawyers, or what uh, legal scholars will call the legal convictions of the community, <laughs> right? Mm. Um, but should reflect the people and their dreams and their self-determinism. Because remember that when we were thinking through South Africa and coming to Kodesa, it's the political elite that dreamt um, of, a, uh, of a particular South African uh, future. And um, I think then that the social contract um, has not actually always been there. In law, we talk about the counter-majoritarian dilemma, right? 
So the fact that um, judges, for example, are not elected by the people, yes, we can submit comments and submissions and whatever, but they're not elected by the people, but elected rather by the J- the JC makes a recommendation yes. and then it's the prerogative yeah. of the of the of the president. But we also don't elect the president directly. There's a party list. Mm. And not every South African is party to the process that elects the president, right? So mm. my thesis actually and my understanding of South Africa is that it has never been a democracy. There have been a, a number of social compacts, yes. But it has been a democracy that has been left to the imagination of political elites, despite the fact that we had a broad-based sort of democracy, uh, I mean, um, resistance movement, mm-hmm. right, the mass democratic movement, as it, as it were. So when I talk about the crisis of imagination, I, I am simply saying that actually our problems do begin there. The fact that it wasn't a fully participative uh, activity. And you know, the byproduct of that, because we haven't solved it, it leaves us to have a situation where SAA, for example, can be sold to Takato Consortium for 57 rand and maybe a cash injection of 3 billion. What, what that symbolizes or what it shows actually is the fact of the, uh, 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 um, an oligarchical democracy. Despite the fact that sections, I think, uh, 54 of the Constitution and 70, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit sketchy there, but there's one, I think 71 or 74, speak to a participative um, a democracy okay. outlook. But and, and if you look at voter turnout and the trends over the years, lower voter turnout means lower public participation in formal processes. And the ways in which uh, South Africans do participate in, in the democracy or through what is legible or okay. through what the state recognizes and what is that it's violent right? we're going to because take a pause on that thought Sipokutler, as we interact with some listeners we've got voice notes remember we we do want you to send voice notes but please keep them shorter than one minute and please keep your radio open recording because there's some voice notes that are coming in but we can't play them because of that our number 061 4104207. Let's listen to Lisa from Cape Town. Good evening, my sister. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very fine. I am very entertained by your <laughs> show. And so should I come back tomorrow and sing as a mis- <laughs> no, you can. You you are welcome tomorrow. So though, I I have a question for him. Also, as a lawyer, I will need him to answer after the show. Okay. <laughs> yes, the question for Songezo is why are cases dismissed with the court? Because to me, it seems it affects the poor people and it threatens them mm. to lay a case, a case against anybody who is more powerful than them. Okay, not a small question. Lisa from Cape Town, you want to get to answer yes, that after. To you guys, mm-hmm. to you guys, I would like you to advocate for the court, for the lower court, like the village court that you are advocating for, but they need to have some people who are trained in traditional law and also in this uh, our law, like constitutional law, that we are studying. 
All right. Little from Cape Town, not giving us like very easy questions there. Songezo's come back. I will allow him a brief period of time during the takeover to answer Little's question. Then we're going to take a voice note as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. I'm a guest here, so I don't have any authority. <laughs> the short answer to that is I think there's a lot of inspiration we can draw from Rwanda, particularly from their 1994 experience. They had what they call the gachacha courts system, effectively traditional courts. That court system heard something like two million cases following the genocide of 1994. And the structure is very much akin to that which is espoused in the emblem of the constitution, justice under a tree. It's a familiar African concept to many who would be here. Men and women sit under a tree in an open forum and discuss the issue that affects and afflicts that village. That, if employed in the country, could have... Thank you so much for popping back in. Songezo will be back with me in the next five minutes. We have a voice note. Let's listen into that. Hi, it's Tema from Maritzburg. Um, I believe uh, we're in a mess because of not having the right leadership. Um, I believe we voted a current par- party, political party, that didn't really prepare people, right? Didn't really prepare people to take on leadership positions. So we have people who just care about themselves and about their status, but we don't have people who cares about uh, people, right? Uh, when you look at municipalities, most of the municipal managers are, are people who doesn't have skills and doesn't have qualifications. So what do you expect um, from someone who doesn't have uh, the right qualifications? And the other thing is around policies. Our policies in South Africa, I believe, they do favor growth, but it's just the implementation. So we need to look into uh, making sure that we have the right people in place and the right skills. Thanks, Tamba from Maritzburg. Thank you, Temba from Maritzburg, for sending us your voice note. Remember, if you want to take part in the conversation, you can send us a voice note. 061-4104-207 is our number. Please keep your voice notes shorter than one minute and your radio off when recording. Let's listen in to what's taking place now. I think we've got a caller holding on for us. Um, while we're waiting for the caller to get onto the line, I think he's here actually. Wandile, very good evening to you. Perhaps we'll hear from them. Wandile, good evening, if you can hear me. All right, we'll come back to that call a little bit later on. Sipukutle Mate is still with us for the next three minutes. So, I mean... We've spoken about a range of issues and a lot of your solutions are sweeping, uh, structural and will not be implemented, I assume, anytime soon with the current setup that we have in South Africa. If that's the case, what's to be done to stop some of the things that we've spoken about and the effects of the things we've spoken about without those big structural changes. So what can be done now to get us closer to the kind of reality that you've spoken about? Okay. So first things first, professionalization of the, of, of, of the public service. Nice. It's a big issue. It, um, it is often missed. Um, during debates around local government elections and national government elections, 
because we think, you know, things are happening and, you know, leaders are the ones who determine whether something happens or not. But actually, what we need is a strong program of the professionalization of the public service. Um, you know, so so professionalization is one thing. The other thing that we need to do is to have a sunset clause for old pe- for old people. Ah. Um, we are the yes, we are the majority in this country. There's no reason why we can't stand and say, look, we will sort out your pensions, um, <laughs> but it's actually time for the youth to leave. And if we can come to that agreement, we've got the numbers. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got the numbers to come to some sort of an agreement where we say, look, um, you don't have any good ideas for us anymore. It's no, fine. I mean, I would really and I would really say that there's always, I feel, experience and power um, that comes with age, that even though youth have brilliant ideas, radical ideas, there's something about age that you cannot get until you're aged. But let's pause that thought and just take a last possible call from Jean in Cape Town. A very good evening to you. Thank you. Good evening to you and to your listeners. Um, the issue that uh, I want to raise could maybe be the, the key issue okay. that um, could describe the state of the nation, of our nation. Um, maybe we we could equate it to a farm. A farm uh, that uh, is selling uh, humans um, that has stock holdings of humans mm. just as a farmer has stock on a farm. So, but the, the farmers in, in this case would be the lawyers um, and people that have links with these lawyers or attorneys, etc. Um, I've just found out that there was a lawyer by the name of Andrea Durbach that mm-hmm. was practicing here in Cape Town. And um, a guy by the name of Andre that lives here in Cape Town just discovered that he's got a fake address in Johannesburg. Um, and then the person's name at this address in Johannesburg is Andrea. So it's a, a female form of Andre. I see. Um, but Andrea don't really exist. Okay. Um, but Andre exists here in Cape Town. I see. I see. So what I'm trying to say is the unemployment figures that um, is being sheltered around is actually fake. Oh. You understand? It's like people. It's like uh, animals that crawl through a hole into the pen and now wants to, uh, uh, they want to take over the farm.
Wow, Jean. Okay, so I'm going to end the call there. Thanks so much for your insight. One of the great things about radio is the different viewpoints that come through. We may not agree with all of them, but it's important to air different views. Abiso Ngalo from Mangaung is sending us a WhatsApp saying, Good evening, Zinga. Congratulations on your published book. I would like to ask you guys what needs to be done in order to transform our defective justice system in the country. Why is it so difficult for our courts to make groundbreaking judgments against the ruling elite? I think we need, uh, we saw more than the three minutes that we have left on that. But thanks so much for that question. I know it's one that Sipokutle will also be thinking about as well as Songezo. Let's just take a voice note for now. Kenneth Christians from Namakwa. We are 60 million plus people. A million of the 60 million plus people have membership of the ANC. So what is positive for them is that if every time they have a problem with what happened in the countries, that they must take out membership in the ANC and then we must vote because the ANC will never lose. The ANC will never lose. They will correct themselves and the people will vote again for the ANC. Now they are going and establish a lot of smaller parties. No comrades. Come and take membership by Kenneth Christians. Have a good night and let us save South <laughs> Africa under the membership of the ANC. Okay, Kenneth, thanks so much. I'm just going to redo that disclaimer that I did after Jean's call, that it's important to get as many views as possible, but obviously we don't agree with them independent, impartial. So that's where the hashtag Tuesday takeover ends from my side. Greg Hose is standing by with your news in just under a minute. I'd just like to say thank you so much to the team for having me in studio today. Lesejo and Tabi Singh, Phineas, Songezo, and Greg Hos in the newsroom. I really enjoy doing radio because I can use my hands as much as possible. I can listen to as many views as possible. You can interact with people. Absolutely. Um, I really love this medium and I'm enjoying it so much. So thank you, you so much come back? for that opportunity. I'll think about it. Oh, I mean, gosh. you know, I'll think about it. If you're nice to me, I'll think about it. Thanks so much for having me on the Tuesday Takeover. My name is Nzinga Kunta. It's just before 9 p.m. and it's time for your news on SAFM.